Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, Lord, for this church uh, that you've called us to. And um, we just uh, thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word and that we can study your word to know you, to know about your attributes. Uh, and then also, Lord, to know how it is that you should, that you would have us behave and to know what your will is for us. And so we thank you for that. We just ask that you would open our minds and Give us eyes to see and our, our ears to hear and hearts to receive your word that we might uh, um, be transformed by it and uh, as we uh, become more sanctified, more like Jesus Christ, our Savior, and then um, through that, Lord, many would be um, interested in, in your church and that through that you would draw them and, be, and they would be saved by it. And so we just uh, we just ask that uh, you would work that in our hearts, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today uh, we are in lesson number two: how to know the Bible. All right, great. Why are we here? To have assurance of eternal life, to become equipped for ministry, to know God more deeply. Yeah, and so this is a big one: assurance of eternal life. Uh, have you ever been out uh, sharing the gospel and you talk to somebody about salvation and heaven or hell and they just say, well, I don't think you can know whether you can go to heaven. You ever had that? Yeah. Yeah, right? And so, I, I mean, I just did a, a couple of months ago on the UT campus and they said, oh yeah, you can know for sure. Yeah. And so that's one of the things we'll, we'll even cover that verse yeah, today. Yeah, there's a teaching in the Council of Trent, the Catholic. Anybody that says they know is anathema. Anathema, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, Catholic Church. So. Anyway, okay, so we took a quiz last week, uh, so we will go over the quiz. So, starting with question one, Michael, could you read that and give us an answer? The only people who can understand the Bible are those who have been trained to do so. False. That's false, right? And what is our, we'll get to our memory verse, but there's a command about us to know it, so we'll do that. Uh, question number two, Kathy. There is no real need to study the Bible because God can teach us through our experiences false. That's false, right? I mean, we can, through experience, know about God, about his creation, right? That's experiential. But we can't certainly know with detail and certainty who God is through uh, our experience. Right? So we have to know his word for that. Sheila, number three. Probably the most important thing we can achieve from, from Bible study is facts that be used to discuss and debate the false. Yeah, false. I mean, it's, it's good to know just so when you're yeah. able to share the gospel, but that is not the main reason, right? So, yeah, very good. Mr. Johnson. Yes. Memorizing portions of the Bible enables us to overcome Satan by using God's word. Right? And who's our greatest example of that? Jesus did, right? Three times he said, it is written, right? So that's, that's what we should be doing as well. Uh, Andrea, number five, please. Every verse in the Bible is profitable for us today. True. Yeah, true, right? Yeah. I don't think we have a lot of trick questions in here, so. Uh, <laughs> number six, Ray. God uses pastors to teach us truth within the Bible. That's Yes, but not ultimately. <laughs> it's a trick question. <laughs> I just prefaced that for Ray. So. It is a little tricky, but I mean, the question is though, does God use pastors to teach us truths? Yes, he is, because it said in Ephesians that he gives us you know, pastors, teachers, um, uh, 
prophets, evangelists for the purposes of edifying the church. So yes, in that in that respect, yeah. yes. So, very good. Morning, Keone. Good morning. Sorry, Number seven, can you read that and answer us, please? Yes, there is only one correct interpretation of a given passage of Scripture. True. Okay, well, wait, not the answer. No. Oh, I, you just said read it. Read it and answer, yes. So true, absolutely true, right? So we had a question uh, from, uh, let's see, who is it over here? Um, Kimberly and, uh, well, Kevin and Kimberly. Kimberly asked a question about, uh, well, how is it then that there are... Translations. Uh, there's a differences, I think, in uh, interpretation of Scripture. How is it that we have those, and how do we how do we correct that? Because we do. We have there. There's ongoing issues today, but right? When I, in witnessing or apologetics, if you look at all the creeds, the historic creeds of the churches, ninety-five percent they agree on those creeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. On peripheral subjects, you can get off in all kinds of side trails, but the essentials. Yeah. I mean, you say, oh, well, Methodists believe that, or Presbyterians believe this. Well, there are some differences, but not a right. lot. Right. Right. And the question, and this is a big issue. The question is, you know, are they are they issues related to um, salvation doctrine, or are they issues related to you know, as Ray says, a peripheral issue that is maybe difficult, it's just difficult to understand. Like eschatology. Yeah, eschatology. I mean, there's, there's, there's some things there that people would disagree about even to this day. There's, you know, and then you have the Arminianist-Calvinist debate that's been going on for over 500 years now. And I think, I think Scripture lines up on the side of Calvinists on that, although... Um, there, you know, even even Calvinists can be incorrect in some of their some of their interpretations. But if you are the writer of a book, uh, whose whose um, interpretation is the correct one? The authors. The authors, right? And so, in this case, we have the Bible. There is one author. It's 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 God through the Holy Spirit working through men, and so therefore, there is only one correct interpretation for every scripture. However, how many applications are there? Millions. Yeah, just lots and lots and lots of different applications. Right? You, can, you can apply a, a particular scripture to many life circumstances, so good. Uh, okay, number eight. Back to Michael, please. Diligent Bible study is only for pastors. That's right. We're all, we're all called to study, right? So, um, Number nine, Kathy. A person who meditates on God's word day and night will be blessed. True. True, 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 yes. And uh, number 10, Sheila. A concordance gives an interpretation of every verse in the Bible. True. So the concordance is a list. It'll get you a list. So let's say we there's a word we want to study. How about we want to study mm, sanctify? And so what a concordance will do is it will give you every pa- uh, passage in the Bible that contains the word, what was the word I was using? Sanctify. <laughs> Sanctify in it so that you get a feeling uh, for how that word is used. So um, it's not, it's not going to give you a, um, an interpretation as much as it will give you um, a way to understand how it's how it's used in its context. So, yeah, but good question. Okay, 
Any questions on these questions? Any, any need any scriptural reference on answers? Mediates. Mediates. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. That was good. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've looked at that. Yeah, right? We interpret it too. Interesting. Will, is that, is that still true? The person who mediates on God's word. All right. Thanks, Ray. I'll have to. Uh, how about in the quiz? Was it. I don't know. I wonder if it's wrong on the quiz. Number 10 is false. So Carcardus doesn't give an interpretation. It just simply gives you a list of verses where a particular word is used. So, Okay, good. Thank you. I gotta, I'll, I'll correct that. Uh, okay, our, anybody do our memory verse? Michael, you're our memor memorizer. Did you get it? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, anybody else? Well, that's fine, King James. Whatever you memorize it in. Yes, very good. Good job, good job. So we'll write that. Uh, we'll be able to write that on the quiz after today's lesson. All right. So um, let's let's look at this um, and kind of break it down. So uh, who here is speaking in this passage? Who's speaking? Okay. So the question would be, who wrote it? Right, Paul. Paul wrote it, right? And who is he speaking to? Timothy. Timothy. All right, good. So, um, now, since this is written for all believers, by extension, who else is it directed to? Us today, right? It's directed to all believers, so all believers from the time of Timothy and, and, and to now. Um, and so when we look at this, what, what type of a, a verse is it? Is this a general information verse? It's a command, right? And so what are we supposed to do with commands? Obey them. We're supposed to obey them. Okay, so then we need to look into this. So when it says here the word uh, diligent, what does the word diligent mean? To hasten and do a thing or to exert oneself in endeavor. Very good, very good. And so um, when you read God's word and you're being diligent, then what would that mean we're, we're to be doing about it, Paula? I mean, uh, uh, Sheila. Right, and take care that we're doing it correctly, right? Okay. So jump down to the word accurately. What is what is a good definition of accurately? With no error. Right. With precision. Yeah, with precision, correctly, no error, right? Okay, so uh, let's look further here then. Uh, what is at the last part, what is the word of truth? What is the word of truth? It says the word of truth. What is the word of truth referring to? The Bible. All scriptures, right? It's referring to the whole Bible, the whole context, everything we've got, right? So <laughs> when we look at that, what, is, what does handling, or in, <clears throat> in some translation, it's, uh, the, the word is dividing. So <laughs> we look at that handling or dividing uh, the word of truth. What does that mean? So it would be understanding and explaining correctly, interpreting for others, right? Um, uh, in some translations, it, you know, it says dividing, or others it'll actually say cutting. It'll say cutting the word, right? Which means literally cut it in half accurately, right? So splitting it in half and being able to explain it. 
modern word would be analyze. Or to analyze, yeah. Yes. Proper an analysis, yeah. I wonder if they had that word back then. Perhaps not. Uh, yeah. um, so then, a person who then is properly handling it is able to understand it and explain it, right? So let's look at the reverse of this. What happens to the person that isn't diligent as a workman and isn't accurate in the handling of the word of truth? Must not teach the word. Must not teach. That's the first thing. What, but what is the... They'll be ashamed. There you go. They'll be ashamed and not approved, right? Ashamed and not approved if we're not... And by whom? God. By whom? By God, right? You know, this is a pretty powerful statement. Here, you know, we need, to, we need to do this right to be approved of God because the reverse is we'll be ashamed and, and not approved by God. I mean, he's given us his word. He's taken 1,500 years to, to get it to us. He has preserved it all this time, and so we should take it seriously. Right. Yeah. Um, and why do you think, Paula, why do you think the word workman is used? What does that indicate? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, she, uh, Andrea. You keep saying Paula. There's no Paulas in here. Roll <laughs> call. Oh, so all women are now called Paula, right? <laughs> no, go ahead, Andrea. So why, why do you think, what does that indicate, workmen? Well, we're servicing the Lord. Yeah. Does, it, does that also mean that it's going to be easy? No. No, right? The word workman means there's going to be some effort involved, right? And it's, it's You're just, not the master. Right. That's another point. You, you have the master and you have a worker, right? And so we're not the, we're not the supervisor on this. We we're, we're, that's right. We're one of the laborers in it. So, uh, yeah. And I mean, for some of you who are just, you know, gifted in the way of having a, a photographic memory and able to just look at something and absorb it instantly, maybe it's not as difficult. But for, for others, uh, me, for instance, it's going to take a lot more effort to put in to, uh, to be able to do it right. So. This All is right. also Paul's last letter. He was ready for prison before he was executed. Before he was executed, yeah. So this was pretty important. Very important, right? I mean, you saved the best for the last, as sometimes people say, right? Yeah. And it's uh, really the most important. Is that he's talking to Timothy, and uh, he's kind of, you know, passing the torch. So, okay, any questions on this? Verse. Any questions? Okay, so uh, we're going to do a quiz today, and, and uh, remember to write that on the back of the quiz. All right, so here's our lesson outline. So we're going to look at why to know the Bible, uh, how to know the Bible, and the Bible study process. All right, so why to know the Bible? What are five reasons? And, and actually, I think you, if you did the homework on there, you kind of know this, but what are the five reasons that we, we uh, the five reasons for knowing God's Word? Those are the methods, right? Don't you want? No, I want to know the reasons why should we? Prepare, yeah. prepare ourselves for service. It's to sanctify our lives. Sanctify, prepare for service. What else? It is God's will. And understand the scripture helps us know God. Help us to know God, yeah. So we look at these kind of individual verses here. Number one was uh, to rightly handle and interpret the word, right? That's Timothy, 2 Timothy 2. It's our memory verse. That's why we need to study because we need to rightly handle God's word. Um, and then also in uh, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, what does that one say? Oh, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. 
right? You're going to grow in the knowledge. So what happens when you grow in the knowledge of the word? You start able to process meat of the word. The meat of the word, yeah. You're going to know, you're going to know God's will, at, at least his written will, right? Um, you're going to know his commandments. It's going to help you. A big part of, of the church's requirement to teach is the attributes of God. Because people, many people that think they believe in God do not know who God is. Right. And then, so this is a great question, though, Ray, is that can a person really believe in a God they don't know? Most of them worship an idol. Yeah, they've made up of a... Of the mind. Right? You, you remember the old saying is that in the beginning, God created man. Man has been trying to return the favor ever since. Yes. <laughs> trying to create God in his own image, right? So, yeah. uh, number three, so that uh, to help us not sin. And how is that? Keone, can you read that? Yes, Psalm 119.11. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? So, God's word then, as long as we recognize it, and we obey it, it will help us, or it will keep us from sin, right? You know the old saying is that sin will keep you from the Bible, and the Bible will keep you from sin, right? So that's one of the reasons we, we study His Word, so we know what it says so that we might not sin against God. And then so that we also revere God, right? Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Does a person who, think about this for a minute, a person who has no idea, or I don't want to say that, but doesn't comprehend who God is, does that person have a fear of God? No. no right. Well, God's all loving. So God's all loving, that's right? His God, oh, yeah. What is that great, uh, <laughs> that great um, uh, evangelistic stay, saying is that uh, God, God loves you and has a great plan for your life, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> a drop, wonderful plan. They drop repentance and complain that the gospel doesn't work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, uh, to light and guide our path through life, right? Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Okay. Some of this is in your book, so uh, it should be familiar to you, and then some of it's not. And what else? We said to, to be able to share the gospel, right? Uh, Kathy, can you read that from where you're at? But sanctify Christ, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Right. And so the word here, defense, what 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 does that mean? What is meant by the word defense? Do we have to really defend our position? What does that mean? To uh, identify uh, falsehoods mm -hmm. in the dialogue. And bring out the truth in the dialogue. Yeah, right, right. So when someone says, why do you believe what you believe? Well, we're going to give them a reasonable uh, explanation of that, right? And so what is that hope? You know, we're going to say, oh, it's to give everyone a hope that is in you. Well, what, what does that mean? What is the hope? What do we hope for? It's very broad. <laughs> it's broad, but we, we're hoping for eternal life, right? Because that's what's promised. So we can explain that. And then uh, lastly, the... The English word apologetics comes from the Greek word that is translated as a defense. Yeah. Defense. So apologia or apologetics and defense are synonymous, di different, uh, different languages. So, but, so yes. Sorry. Because mm -hmm. um, I was a rabid apologist early on, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I think a lot of Christians kind of go through. 
Yes. Um, it's it's the verse used incorrectly can be really dangerous to Christians because you feel like you have to give an answer to everything. You just have to give an answer for your hope. You could have believed this morning and told somebody, "I believe I'm saved and you know Christ saved me." It says right here. I mean, that's the defense right there. Yeah. You know, John three sixteen. That's my defense. Says I just know the thief on the cross, right? Because because right. this guy told me I could, could go to heaven. Right? Yeah. Well, it's important. It's reasonable. But as you grow, you learn more. Yeah. yeah. But, it's a reasonable defense. It's like John MacArthur said, right? Is it? Um, do you know enough? To share the gospel. Do you know? He says, well, if you're saved, yeah. you know enough. Because you can explain why you believe. Right? Right. Yeah. But you will get questions you don't know the answer to. Right. Yep. That's okay. Say, good question. I don't know. But I'll get back with That's you right. if you let me. <laughs> That's right. You know, and then go ask someone that knows a little more. That's right. right. Yeah. And take down her name and yeah. find out and get back to them. Yeah. You know? right. sure. so, yeah. don't expect them to know every question they could possibly right. ask. Because they... And I just, you know, from personal experience, you can talk to somebody sharing the gospel and there's never enough right. information. They will ask a, an innumerable number. It's just one after what. And what is that? Why are they asking those questions? To trip you up. To trip you up. Because they don't really believe anyway. And what they're doing is just leading you down a rabbit trail. So. Can I ask you real quick? When you were talking about the, the word apologetics, you said it came from what word? Um, apologetics comes from the Greek word translated defense. Okay, that's so. right. Thank you. So remember this first first Peter three fifteen, and we'll look it up later. Okay, we'll look that word up later because we're gonna when we get some Bible study tours, uh, uh, tools I should say, Bible study. Okay, what other reason uh, is to pre prepare oneself for service? Right? Can you read that from there, Sheila? You'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith of the sound doctrine. Hmm. So what is this saying then to be a good servant of Christ? What do we need? Constantly nourished. Constantly nourished on the word of faith, right? And so that means we are in study all the time. That's, that makes us a good servant, right? And what do we receive in heaven as a result of that service? It's not necessarily in this, but we receive our rewards, Right for the service that we do in the in the body, yeah. So, and who wants to receive a reward in heaven from Jesus? Amen. <laughs> Can you think of anything more important? What else? Because it sanctifies our life, right? Keone, can you read that? Yes. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So, what does sanctify mean? To set apart. So to set apart, right? That's what the word means. So if it's to set apart, it, it sets you apart from something and it sets you apart to something, right? Because you, you say, well, he's been set apart. Well, that means he's been set apart from something and set apart closer to something else, right? And so in this case, we're being set apart from something. And what is that? Sin in the world. Sin in the world. And we're set apart to then God. God. Right? Yeah. So that's what God's word does. It sanctifies. It's a sanctify. It separates us from from the sin in the world good and then uh, Colossians 3.16 um, can you read that Ray can you see that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom okay so here again what is the word of Christ 
the scriptures. Scriptures, right? And then when it says dwell, what does dwell mean? That's where we live. Right? That's where you live. You live it's in a not, dwelling. It's not a place we visit. Yeah, we don't visit. <laughs> if I visit you, I visit you at your dwelling, but yes. you live there, right? And so when it says, let the word of Christ dwell richly within you, it means it's home. It's home in you, and it's lavishly at home in you, right? So. And it's based on God's wisdom. And it, yeah, yeah. God's will, right? Okay, and what else? So that you may know eternal life. Right? And we, we talked about that at the very beginning. Right? Is it can you know you have eternal life? Well, let's just see. Right there. So, uh, Sheila, can you read that one? These things I have written to you who believe in the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So, when John is, is saying these things I have written to you, what Things are he is he referring to? He's had about twenty diagnostics about that you may know about how mm -hmm. you know you have salvation in the book. This is the last one, uh, and these things referring to all the other tests he's already given. Everything he's given, so it's all the the scripture he's already provided here. When he says these things, I've written to you. It's in the letter, right? And. Uh, who does John describe the ones he's writing to? These things are written to you who believe. So he's writing this to believers, fellow believers, right? And what does he want them to know? He wants them to know that you have eternal life. So therefore, we can definitely know that we have eternal life. How do we know? Believers, right? Um, how about, does anybody have a, an ESV? Do you have any, can you look up, oh, look up uh, John 3.36, John 3.36 in the ESV. All right, John 3.36 mm -hmm. says, whoever believes in the son, son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on Oh, so when we say he who believes, what is that equal to? Or what is the requirement for belief? It's obedience, right? He who believes also obeys. He that does not obey does not believe, and the wrath of God abides on him, right? So, uh, of course, and Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments, right? And so, therefore, when we say, when we see somebody who says, oh, I believe, but yet they are living, you know, in some kind of continuous sin, what would you say? You deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. That's, That's right. That's what John would say. That's what John would say, right? And so it's... Uh, it's Johnny. 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 So, you know, from that standpoint then is that there's a person, and, and of course, you know, living in the Bible Belt, uh, there's uh, uh, just been a, a, a lack of proper teaching for in many many of these churches and people think that you can just do whatever you want as long as you name the name or say or claim uh, I, I i was baptized when i was five or six somehow that's a magic you know it's a magic carpet ride to heaven that's because mm -hmm. god loves you the way you are that's right god just loves you the way you yes. are god yeah. loves everybody god loves everybody yeah <laughs> so then um anyway so but this is specific I've written to you who believe that you know, may know you have eternal life. So we can know that. 
and I was sharing the gospel with a, a person at the UT campus, and he said, you know, asked him, well, do you, you know, are you going to be, be in heaven? Do you, do you know you're saved? Said, well, I don't think you can know that. So I just had my pocket Bible. I opened up. I said, read it. You tell me what it says. It was like the first time they'd ever read, read that before. It was shocking to them. So, you know, but, um, so we know, yeah. And then what else? How we come to know is the how of learning and applying the scripture to life is something every Christian should know. So we'll just go over the, the methodology here. So the section of the five ways to make Bible studying yours. And, and Sheila read off, uh, I think, three or four, four of them, at least hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating, right? So um, if the Bible is the center of your Christian life, uh, why do you think that is? Well, because through the Bible is how you know God. Right? And it's how we know how we should behave as believers. Now, think about this for a minute. Before, before Paul had written his letters to, say, the Ephesians, how were they behaving? These are, these are, these are people who were Gentiles. They were leave it, living in Ephesus. They were worshiping and serving uh, you know, the, the, the goddess Diana at the <clears throat> temple. So how are they living and behaving? And then they're living and behaving as the rest of the people in Ephesus. And then they became believers. They heard the gospel. Okay, so they heard the gospel, which was enough to be saved. But does that tell them then how they should behave as believers? No, which is why Paul had to write and say, no longer walk as the Gentiles. He said, walk as wise. He said, imitate God. Uh, so they had to know it. And that's why for us, knowing his word is going to teach us about God and how we as believers should behave in the world and towards one another. So, so then, if we look at this and compare the five methods, uh, and this is just a, is a great way somebody put this together. You know, it's just uh, uh, kind of a, handy way of, of remembering how to do this. <laughs> That's a freebie. I just added that in there. It's not in your text. So. Okay, so if you compare the five methods of learning scripture to the fingers on your hand and you hold the Bible with only two fingers, uh, it's easy to lose your grip, right? Especially if you have a pretty heavy Bible, right? ESV study Bible. Yeah, a big fat one. It may drop it all the time, right? But uh, the more fingers you use, the, the, the greater your grasp of the Bible becomes and stronger it is, right? So let's look then here. So if a person hears, reads, studies, memorizes, and then meditates on the Bible, his grasp of the truths of the Bible become firm and part of his life, right? So then let's define some of these uh, terms. So let's define meditation. What does meditation mean as opposed to mediation? <laughs> so so mediation down. has a couple extra letters, right? So what does meditation mean? To dwell on anything in thought or to contemplate. Yeah, right? It's to, to consider, to think, to, to dwell to on. To answer questions that it raises with you. It That's right. And it raise questions. Yes, absolutely. And we will get to that too. So um, first of all, what it's not. 
It is not emptying of the mind, so let's not, the thoughts jump into your mind or imagination or wandering. That's not what meditation is. It's not going up on a rock and clearing your, you know, clearing your mind and putting your circle and whatever they do and chant. Okay, that's not what it is. What it is, it's, it's, it's contemplation about what you've heard, read, studied, and memorized in order to apply it purposefully to your life, right? And you ask the specific question, and we'll get to that, so... So notice, though, in the grasp there that um, the strength increases from the little finger to the thumb, right? So as the thumb is needed in combination with any finger to complete your hold, so meditation combined with hearing, reading, studying, and memorizing is essential for a full grasp of God's Word, right? I mean, just think about it. If you just read the Word and that was kind of the end of it, how much of that sticks with you? How much do you understand? 5% Five percent or less, maybe, yeah. Right? Statistically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, let's go on to. So as a thumb is needed in combination with any finger to complete, so the meditation uh, combined with the hearing, uh, reading, studying, and memorizing is essential for full grasp of God's word. Right. So. Hear it. All right. Uh, Andrea, could you read that one? But Jesus said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Luke okay. 11, 28. So who did he say are blessed then? Those who, who are blessed? We are. We are blessed. Those who hear it and observe it. Right? So hear and observe is, is another word for obey, right? So think about that though, is that you're blessed. Are you, are you blessed if you just hear it? <coughs> kind of two parts, hearing it and observing it, right? If it just goes in one ear and out the other, then there's nothing nothing done from it, right? But it's be doers of the word the also. The word and means you, both of those apply. Now. They're connecting. They're not separate, right? Yes. It wasn't or. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Jesus said then that they would be blessed, right? Those who hear and observe. And then a parallel passage here. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Is it possible, now i just tell you this right now, is it possible for a, a Muslim person in the Middle East to have a dream in the middle of the night and wake up and say, I believe in Jesus? That's up to God. Well, I would tell you, that, that's, a, that's kind of this strange phenomenon that's going on in the Middle East, that people just, oh, I had a dream last night, I believe in Jesus. But... According to God's word, is it is that possible? No. It's when someone comes and witnesses from the word that suddenly he understands what the dream was about. Yeah, that could that could very well be it. Or how about this? They've heard the gospel. They they've heard the gospel multiple times, and then one night they're they're sleeping and they have a dream, and in their dream. Somehow the gospel is, is made clearer to them and they wake up and say, oh, I understand it now. Is that a possibility? Yes. That's certainly possible. Why? Because they heard the gospel. That's right. It's the first part is the hearing of the gospel. The hearing, reading, uh, uh, where else would you get it? You hear it, you read it, you can see it on TV, whatever, however it's presented to you, but you get the gospel first, right? Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. So first is the, is the hearing. And so faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Next. So, 
Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, right? Revelation. So then, uh, the three things here that we're talking about are he who reads it and hears it and heeds it, right? So it's like when we say heed, what is that? What is the word heed? What does that mean? Obey, pay attention to, right? So it's like reading and obeying, right? Same, it's kind of a re restatement of, of the previous uh, passage. So then, if you this don't... This is Christ is speaking to John. Yes, in, in Revelation, right? So this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? So then, if you don't have a daily reading plan, uh, start with the Gospel of Mark or John at the rate of two chapters a day, and you'll complete the New Testament in 19 weeks. Right? I think you do it a lot faster than that, but that's, you know, if you only spend 10 minutes a day or something like that, maybe less. And then be... But if you meditate, you meditating on it half an hour, minutes, right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Good point there. Okay, study it. So, when the apostle Paul left Thessalonica, he came to Berea and shared the gospel <clears throat> with the unbelieving Jews. Right? What he found was that they were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Right? And so they studied it. They heard it, and then they decided, okay, we got to look into this. They studied it, and they compared it, and they looked up at Old, Old Testament scriptures to see if what Paul had said was actually true. Right? So then, what did they do? They received the word of God, and what else? Ah, they examined it daily, right? They examined it daily. So then. Well, with great eagerness, that's... And the other thing. It's not just received. I mean, it's with how's your attitude toward it. They were eager. Right. It's like oh, most important thing they want to do, right? Yeah. yeah. Good. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so by studying is more than just reading. It involves a careful observation, interpretation, and application. Reading gives you the overall picture, but study helps you to think, learn, and apply what you read uh, and to your life. So then, brings us to memorization. Why is it important to memorize? Well, you shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and your, and your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons, talking to them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you rise up. So here's a command way back in Deuteronomy regarding God's word, that they should know it and they should think about it and they should talk about it to their children. So when it says here uh, frontlets or frontals on your forehead, you know what those are? The frontals? Yeah, so they have the, when they wear their little hat, they would have these strings or ribbons, and inside those ribbons then, they would have uh, little pockets where you would put scriptures. And then, uh, what's the other word? Is phylacteries, right? A little, box. A little box where they have this. And then, of course, some of the Pharisees then, to, to demonstrate their superiority, the, the more superior, the bigger the boxes, right? <laughs> And then they would have things hanging off the wrist as well with, with scriptures in it to show, you know, it's like, well, I'm just going to take some duct tape and tape my, 
my Bible to my forehead, you know. Is it, literally, that's where they're going with that, so. One of my pet peeves about the modern church is they'll often criticize that the, the city's taken the uh, Ten Commandments off the wall at, at the courthouse. Do you have scripture in your house? Yeah. Right. Yeah. If a visitor came, they would know that you're a Christian. Right. Yeah. Well, that's a great. That's a great point. Yeah. This would say you need to have the scripture in front of you. <laughs> yeah. But the point they make here is that yeah. they memorize it, right? They memorize it, and there's a and when Jesus was tempted, what did he do? He quoted scripture. He had it memorized, right? Probably wasn't hard for him. <laughs> Not hard, since he was the one who pretty much wrote it. He is the word, right? So then, so how did God then command Israel to remember his word? By memorizing it. So then, okay, memorize it. So here's some passages. Um, And we, I think we just talked about it, but this is Jesus, right? Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said to him, it is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then the third time, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So the question is, did Jesus have his Bible and just kind of flip to the passage and tell him? No, he had it memorized, and he's able to quote it, right? And so for the same reason is that we as believers should, um, should have a fair number of scriptures memorized, right? Especially... You're going to be sharing the gospel. You want to be able to refer to scriptures so you don't have to look every one of them up. You can always look them up if somebody questions you on it, but just be able to give it to them, right? Michael, can you read that one? Uh, Psalm 48. Uh, I delight to do your will, oh my God, and your law is in within my heart. Right? And so what is the law? We're talking about the law is the word, and it's in, in our heart, and why? Well, because it helps us to do God's word, a will, because his will is in his word. If we know his word, we know his will, and then we delight to do his will, right? If you don't know his word, it's going to be a struggle to do his will because you're not going to know it, right? But if you know it and you do it, then it's a delight. Okay. Let's see, where was I? That's too far back. You know, if you hit the wrong button, it takes you somewhere else. Yeah, so let me do something here. See all slides and see where was I. Look at all those we're going to go through. Slide number 82. Is that it, really? No. You're going to take me to the end. Uh, Let's see, we were studying it, memorizing it, right? Did we did memorize it? Memorize it, right? Yes. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. Yes, yeah, so Jesus quoted the appropriate scripture. And how, do you, how might you apply this to your own life? The same way. We should do the same thing, right? The same thing. We should, we should quote scripture whenever the temptations come. <clears throat> And uh, Michael just wrote Psalm, a red psalm, right? So, uh, I delight to do your will, oh my God, and your law is written within my heart. So then, it's easier to memorize with a purpose, right? Understanding the meaning or application of a passage makes it easier to memorize. So if you 
come to a passage, you want to memorize a passage, understand what it means, and it'll, it'll make it easier to memorize. Meditate. Can you read that, Ray? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stay, stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a firm, tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and, and whatever he does, he prospers. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Yeah. So meditation is a powerful reflection of Scripture with a view towards understanding and application. So give prayerful thought to God's Word with the goal of conforming your life to His will. Right? And so the meditation here, He meditates on it day and night. Why do you think that's important? Meditating on the Word. That's one thing. There's a lot to it, right? Yeah. That's it. That's it. Forgetfulness, right? Is it? Oh, and. Reminds you of something. Yeah, I was. So, Jim, back in the day when when you were little and I was little, did you have as many distractions as we have today? Not electronic distractions. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. I was going to say, did you have one of these little electronic leashes buzzing off all the time? Or, you didn't you know? have access to as much evil. Yes. Right. You can certainly be, you know, pulled away doing lots of lots of other things, but it seems now the distractions come much quicker. Yes. At my previous church, we had a guy come twice. Uh, he did a presentation to the church of the Gospel of John, memorized. Oh wow! Dramatic. Wow! You know? Wow! And then he came back and did Revelation. <laughs> wow! But he told the story. If you go back 200 years ago, before there were recorders and TV and radio and all that, people would go hear a sermon and they could quote much of it. Yeah. Because that's just the way they thought. We don't think that way. No. I no. could look it up later and listen yeah. to it again. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So right. we've become weak in, yeah. in that yeah. aspect of our minds. Right, right. And it, plus, I learned all my memorization in the King James Version. Well, I'm using the New American Standard, but I also use. And I be in between, so yeah. is it really hard? Uh, yeah, you can mix them up. But the, uh, the, this is a boy, good point, is that remember way back in the biblical time what a scribe did, mm -hmm. right? A scribe was a person who memorized an entire book, yep. and they would be the ones to write it down. Mm -hmm. And that way, that's how they continually reproduced um, the books that they had at the time. So yeah, so mem uh, meditation uh, is, is an important aspect of understanding what, what God's Word says to us and how we should obey it. Okay, so preparation then. What should we do as we approach Scripture? Right? Confess our sins, putting away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking and desiring the pure milk of the Word, right? right. What is that? The specs. The specs, yeah, right? So then, um, let's see, where else am I here? And then what should be the content of our prayer as we prepare to study God's word? Can you read that, Keone? Yeah, Colossians 1, 19, 10. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and 
to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. So where is the knowledge of God's commanded will found? Where do you find God's commanded will? It's in scriptures, right? So then, uh, if we want to know his commanded will, then we're going to need to read and study and understand scripture, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, if it's his commanded will, are we to follow it? No. Are we held responsible for it? Mm -hmm. Even more so that we know it now, right? Yes. Yeah. So then, our prayer should request that God give us knowledge of his will and wisdom and understanding of that will. How to really apply it, right? So good. Um, anything else? No, I think that's good. Let me ask you a question. I just, this is a freebie because we're talking about prayer before. Uh, in uh, in um, James, right? James, it says that the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much, right? So who is a righteous man? One in Christ. One in Christ, right? But when we talk about praying beforehand and confessing, what happens when we confess? What does First John one nine say? That we're cleansed from our sins, we're forgiven. So, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, if we are therefore cleansed from all unrighteousness, what does that leave us? Righteous. righteous. So then, the fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So then, you want your prayers to avail as much? We go to confession first. We confess. We're cleansed. We're made righteous. We're already righteous, but I mean, you know, we're, our unrighteousness is removed, which then leaves us with the righteousness. And then when we pray, we are praying as a righteous person. So our, our prayers then should avail as much. But we'll get to that later, many, many sessions later. So. But that's a freebie for now. Anyways. Um, so then, spend a short time in prayer before each study, confess any sin, and ask for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes that we can behold the wonderful things from the Lord. All right. Observation then. So we want to ask some questions, and, and Ray brought some of this up. So we ask a question, and I'll just tell you this is what we know from Big, uh, a big Grace we went to, John MacArthur. He literally will ask 100 questions for a, a passage that he's going to be given a sermon on. I don't know what the questions are, but he knows, you know. He just asks a hundred questions, literally, about a passage, which is why he's got, you know, when he's given a sermon, it's so in-depth, is because he's asked all those questions. So, but when we ask a question, we say, what is taking place in the passage? What do I see here? Right? And so you write down the who, the what, the where, and the when right? of, a, of a specific passage. And then what's the main idea of the passage? You didn't want to get the peripherals so much. You want to know the main topic. What is, what is the main point of the passage? Right? You can go lots of ancillary points there, but what's the, main, what's the main part? And then as you observe it, look for key words. Key words, key subjects, people, or topics. Uh, look for commands, particularly verbs. Uh, look for warnings. And then how about repeated words or phrases? Is that important when it's repeated? Yes. Yeah, how about like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What does that mean? 
whoa, <laughs> watch out. Right? Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Right? Uh, and then comparisons, things that are similar, things that are different. And then questions and answers given. And then anything unusual or unexpected. And those are just a few things you can, you can go through. You know, there's lots and lots of other, other questions you could ask, um, but the, the key here is to take your time. Don't give up too soon. So what is the main idea? Interpretation. What does it mean? What does the passage mean? What is the importance of it? A given word, especially verbs. Or a given phrase, uh, names and titles. Right? Why is it, I mean, you know, you talk about names and titles. You know, when you're talking about the Gospels and when uh, when Jesus is brought before the the Sanhedrin, and then you have the the high priest. What is the high, who is the high priest? What does that mean, high priest? I mean, if you, if you know what these words mean and how they relate, what's the historical significance at the time, you have a better understanding of what's going on at the time that Jesus is going through these, these trials. You know, the high priest, and then they go to uh, Pilate, and then they go back to Herod. You know, and these guys are, they have different titles. But when you look it up and find out what those titles mean, you get a better picture of, oh, well, I see where he's going here. First, he's in, he's in the religious, having a religious trial. And now he's going to a, to a civil trial. And then he's going over to another, another guy who, you know, say, oh, he's got, he's got authority. I don't have authority. And they start ping-ponging it back and forth. Neither of them want to make a decision on this, right? No, Herod. There's about five Herods. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Herod. Uh, which one is it? Which Herod is it, right? Right. It's like, it's like saying, oh, Caesar. Yeah. Well, which Caesar, which era, right? Yeah. There's a lot it's a of gen general term. That doesn't, yeah, that's not right? Or Pharaoh. Like governor. Which Pharaoh? Or governor. Which governor? Right? Which president, mayor. right? Yeah. Mayor. You don't know. Right. He's, a, you know, at that time. So you have to, you have to look up what those names and titles mean to get a full sense. And then dates. Dates and times, right? Uh, and what other else would we look for? Seasons, for instance. Let me, let me just tell you. About seven years ago, I started, I changed the way I studied the Bible. I read a chapter for seven days. Mm -hmm. I study it for an hour or two. And behind my desk, I have a pictorial encyclopedia of the Bible, five volumes. I have um, all kinds of the reference books that you and I, and I go through usually four or five commentaries during that week on that On passage. one passage, yeah. yeah. By the end of the week, yeah. you pretty much have it. Right? My, my mind isn't that sharp. I mean, I, I need to do that. Right. But um, you really learn a lot. In, I'm there. Uh, seven days of, of spending an hour or two on yeah. that passage. Well, uh, one of the ways that in, in your book, I think, um, maybe it doesn't mention it, but it, MacArthur had mentioned that you know, the way he studied the Bible when he was younger is he would read a, uh, he would read a book every day for a month. One book every day for a month. And he would just, by the end of that month, you just know that book. You know the whole story within the book. You'll know in your Bible, oh yeah, I know where that passage is. It's right here in the left-hand column, right? You know, you just know specifically things like that. Which was kind of sad because one time he mentioned uh, during a, uh, you know, a sermon, 
By the way, has anybody found my Bible? <laughs> he says, I think I left it on the car and drove off. You know, and he says, it's got all my notes in it. I know where everything's in it. So. Well, and I can find it because of the coloring and marking yeah, and stuff. Yeah, everything. I, but I've, I've gone through a dozen Bibles. Yeah, wear them out. <laughs> so you had to, then you had to, well, it's not there on that side anymore. Now it's on this side. So. Yeah, you got to get the same version. <laughs> right? Sometimes, but it's hard. And then what is, a, what, is a, what is the meaning of a particular word? Why did the writer say this? Uh, what is the implication of the word or the phrase or the name? And then interpret said, test yourself. Find the answers to your interpretive questions. Uh, use the context, the verses before and after the passage that you're studying and in other passages of the scripture, right? Because with the Bible, we say scripture agrees with scripture. Right? And how do, you, how do you determine what the Bible says? Well, you don't go to the outside sources, but you have to go within the Bible. So um, how are the words used in other passages? Let's say we don't, we don't necessarily have exact translations of what a Greek word might mean, but we can see that Greek word used in multiple uh, verses in the whole Bible. So you look at it here and say, well, how was it used here? How is it used here? How is it used here? Oh, I see. I'm getting the general sense of how this word is used. Right? So, I mean, command, uh, imagine you're trying to give somebody a Bible that's in English, and then you give them a, an English lexicon that would give them definitions of words, and there could be a passage that said, they took their donkey and went with their friends over there and they are all there right i was like, oh how many times is there there and which there is there right and so it's very difficult greek is one of the most specific languages that was ever written it is every word has a specific meaning unlike english where we're at now there has many many you know it's t-h-e T-H-E-I-R, right? There as in yours. There, T-H-E-R-E. And then if you're not careful, there as in they are. People mix, mix those up too. And so in speaking it, it's, it's not easy to understand all the time. But Greek is a very specific, precise language. Amazing that God used Greek for the New Testament, right? Mm -hmm. well, there's there's like a reason. Four or five words for love. Only four of them are in the New Testament. Right. They have different meanings. Right. And then think about that. So we only have love, right? But we went over this last time. You have yeah, agape, right. you have eros, you have phileo, right? Yeah. So specific uh, um, definitions. But anyway, so that's, that's the point is that you want to study the word and see exactly or try to anyway find out what it means. And then uh, Bible study tools. There's Bible dictionaries, right? So you can use those to look up words. Uh, there's cross-references, lots of those. So the new treasure of scripture knowledge is a great cross-reference. There's Bible encyclopedias, like Ray said, he's got one. There are a couple out there. Bible commentaries, lots and lots of Bible commentaries out there. There's a New American commentary, Baker New Testament commentary, MacArthur's commentaries. Uh, and, and by the way, I just tell you, you can get lots of those on your phone. Lots of them. I mean, I have a, you know, MacArthur's uh, uh, um, NA, no. New King James Version on my phone of uh, his study Bible, which has got commentary in it. It's not complete commentary, but it's got commentary in it. And then you have, uh, you have the various websites that you can, you can use. So, and I use all three of these all the time. So let's look at 
Um, let's look at that passage. What was that? Um, we were talking about Sheila. It was, I told you to remember it. It was Peter, 1 Peter 3.15, was it? <laughs> I think you're right. Is it? So, let's, so Bible Hub, so you can write this, I think, you know. Remember memory verse, sec, uh, verse uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Remember verse to come up. Yeah, but I want to use this one because of oh. the, uh, so how come it's not there? Is it on your screen? It's on my screen. I don't know, this is interesting. Maybe you can switch modes because that's not in your PowerPoint, so you have to oh, yeah. go to your view mode. Let me see here. I think because you read it. Oh. Yeah, you had read it, but I'll, let me just, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll just, I'll just type it in. 1 Peter 3.15. Okay, so. Yeah, I don't like that. Let's see if there's another way. Let's see if I can get out of this. Uh, okay, let's do this. I will end show. There you go. It's a disaster. There's a disaster waiting to happen. And then... Um, um, so let's see then, how come it doesn't show up there? Do I have to go you like sometimes? Okay. See that? So maybe I have to do it here. Let me do it here. I got it. There you go. Right here. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's do that. Wow. Very sensitive. There now. Okay. Now. Didn't open. Try to move this over here. Okay, I'll try this way. Maybe. Yes. Oh, there, go. there we go. Well, it's kind of like a, another screen, but yeah. the other, other way. Right. To air okay. is human. Yes. Okay, so now let's see if I do it right. Uh, Bible Hub. Bible Hub. Hum. Hub.com. <laughs> Okay, so this will work. This will work. Okay, let's do this. So we said, First we Peter said, First Peter three fifteen. Okay, and the reason we want to do this, let's see what happens here. Yes. So now I'll scroll down. I hope. Yeah. Okay. So see all these different translations there. And so in some of them, it says, um, "Be prepared to give an answer." Right. And uh, what do the others say? And if somebody asks you your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, right? And so the English Standard Version says being prepared to make a defense. Right? So it's give an answer, make a defense, explain it. Um, and then the Berean study Bibles to give a defense. Uh, literal Bible, give a a, a, a be ready, always ready for a defense. The King James given answer. New King James give a defense. New American Standard make a defense. Uh, the 95 is make a defense. The 97 make a defense. Legacy Standard is make a defense. So you see, Amplified giving, um, always be ready to give a logical, in, in uh, parentheses there, a logical defense to anyone who asks. Um, so then, if you had any questions about how a translation goes. You can go to Bible Hub, type it in, and you get 
what, 40 different translations on that particular verse. And it's going to give you a good sense of what it's saying. And then if you wanted to, uh, let's see, does it have it on here? At the very bottom of this page, it gives you commentaries. So you can look at the commentaries on there. And then it gets the interlinear inter translation. So then you can get to, uh, where was defense? Let's look at defense. Help me here. I don't, my screen's blank. I don't get to see it. Always be prepared to give a defense. Here it is. Okay, so then see this number here, the Strong's number right there? So Strong's concordance then has a number for every word in the Bible, and it's going to give you every place that's used. And so you can click on there and then go down a little bit, and it's going to give you... Um, all of these different ways it's translated. And then also it should give the, the Greek, see where the Greek says apologia, and then that's where we get the word defense from. So, so this is a good way then to do a, a study, something that, like, what does this really mean? What does this word mean? You go to Bible Hub and you can read 25 or 30 different different translations to get a good sense of it. And then you can drill a little deeper and say, well, what, is, what does the word actually mean in Greek? Where do they get all these translations? How come so many different? Well, it's like anything else. You go to a dictionary and you look up a word and it's going to give you definitions of the word and it'll give you lots of different synonyms. And so people are using different synonyms for the same thing, right? So, okay, very good. Now let me see if I can get us back on track here. So I don't know how I'm going to do this. He only got me off track. Uh, I'm so sorry. Okay. Uh, I think I can do this. Probably click your PowerPoint and then scroll. Move it back over. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. I grew up with a computer in my hand. Oh, my goodness. I came out of the room with a little iPad. <laughs> So yeah, here, I think we're down here, almost at the end. Here. Okay, so I think we made it. So then, we went through uh, these uh, various, I'm not going to open the others, but um, Blue Letter Bible is, is another great one. You can go there and type in, and at the bottom, it has tools. You can open the tools. One is interlinear. One is commentaries, uh, so which is really good. I like that one. And then also Bible Gateway. I have Bible Gateway. I open up, and that's, I read a lot from that one. Um, it's just, it just gives you the uh, passage right there by itself, and then you can also look up uh, different commentaries on there as well. So lots of tools. This is just three. I mean, there's many, many, many tools out there. So um, just get familiar with that, and it'll, it'll help your study quite a bit. So then, um, remember that when interpreting, all Scripture will agree. It will not contradict itself. Right? Scripture never contradicts Scripture. What's that phrase, Scripture, uh, verifies Scripture, Scripture? That's Scripture. That's it. That's yeah. It. So scripture, use Scripture to interpret Scripture. That's it. Right? Very good. Okay, then. There's only one correct interpretation. 
right? The authors, we covered that. And then the application, and this is what uh, um, we talked about specs, right? So then simple tool is sin to forsake, promises to claim, an example to follow, a command to obey, and stumbling block to avoid. Right, so that's the spec. If you're going through a, uh, a passage, put on your specs, so to speak. All right, so while there's only one correct interpretation, many, many applications, right? And so step five then is repetition. So then observe, interpret, and apply. And you can, you can do this for any word, phrase, or thought in the Bible, right? And the more you do it, the more time you go through it, the more you'll learn it. So the study exercise is in the book. Did you guys do it? Yeah, yeah I, I, when I went through this many, many years ago, I found that to be very, very valuable. Still use it to this day. And that's, that's kind of literally a, a, a way to ask questions and observations. And so you go through that just the way you did it. The columns, you have the, you have the, the verb or the word, and then you have uh, interpretive questions, and then you answer those interpretive questions. So then, uh, we're not going to do a study, uh, study exercise because that's in your book, and I'll collect those and, and answer them. But any questions? Any questions about the study process or how to? So, Okay, then. So what, what did we cover? Why to know the Bible, how to know the Bible, and the Bible study process. And then so for next week, listen to the message on uh, gty.org forward slash FOF. Uh, lesson three, and then uh, start the homework and start the memorization, and you'll have two weeks to complete the homework for next uh, for the next lesson. Okay, so then quiz. Let's go back in here. So let me hand out the quiz, and again, this is you know just it just helps me prepare for the next lesson. While you're all doing that, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for uh, just the time this morning to uh, just go over your word, Lord, and what your word says about how we should study and that we should memorize it and we should know it, interpret it, and, and, and through the, the application of your word in our hearts, Lord, that it would keep us from sin. And you just pray for that. And uh, just pray for your blessing on the rest of our day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.